Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome, as always, to Sex, Love, and Addiction. I am so grateful for all of you who stopped by the show. I Honestly, I never expected hundreds of thousands of people to download when we first started, but I think we're helping folks find healthy relationships and find their way to healing from addiction. This morning, I have, uh, well, I think all my guests are special, but I think I have something that'll be really helpful for you wherever you're at in your relationship. So I want to introduce my colleague, Ken Donaldson, and let me talk to you about him. Ken uses positive psychology, emotional intelligence, and multimodal psychotherapy to help people effectively and efficiently build healthy relationships, overcome addictive behaviors, yeah, and create positive change. Ken has been a professional in the field of psychotherapy and addiction since 1986. And what we're going to talk about today, which is I'm really excited about, is a book he wrote called Marry Yourself First. Say I do to a life of passion, power, purpose, and prosperity. And of course, you know, you can get these kinds of books on Amazon. And I have to write, can I, okay, we're going to have lots of things we're going to talk about, but I have to ask you the first question that comes to mind reading the stuff that, that I've read about you. So the first thing that I read was Ken doesn't like self-help books. That's correct. I actually, it, it, uh, it's, I don't believe in self-help books is, is really what it is. And I thought I don't, it's not that I dislike them. Uh, what I mean by that is is that self help books, if they worked, we'd buy one and be done, right? We'd all be well. Yes. So they they certainly can be helpful, but they are not the cure all and the end all. And so when I wrote "Marry Yourself First, I wanted it to be a beginning point, an entrance for people, and. For quite a number of years, I offered a free, back in the day before we had webinars, I, we did teleseminars. I offered a free uh, monthly teleseminar to anybody who bought the book. And I did that for about five years. So I, I wanted it to people to realize that they weren't only getting a book, they were getting access to me and they were going to get more information. But that, you know, books are great, but they're not the end all and the cure all. That's the point. 
So you're saying you got to be active. There's work that you have to do, and a book is not going to do that work for you. It may give you information, but then you've got stuff to do in the real world. Yeah, I, I have a half a dozen magic wands that I've tried to use with clients at various times, but none of them have worked yet. I'm about ready to take them back to get my money back. So yeah, you, you got to do the work. So ask me what started you on the path of writing this particular book. We'll go into what it's about, but what made sure. you write a book called Marry Yourself First? It did not start off as a book, I will tell you that. It started as my own journey in my own recovery, but when it came to a point in the early 2000s, I I was asked to do a series of workshops, primarily relationship building workshops for the local community. So I put together a a six-week program and delivered these workshops. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this and I'll be done and move on to whatever the next thing is. Well, the people who attended really liked it. Uh, They invited more people. And when we got to the end of six weeks, they wanted to know what was going to be next. And being a halfway smart business owner, I said, let me get back to you on that because I didn't have anything planned. And so I did another six weeks and it grew and blossomed and ended up developing one-year programs and did those for three or four years. And then one day I realized I have a lot of curriculum that I've created. And I thought, you know, I wonder if there's enough already created to make a book or at least have the foundation for a book. And I printed everything out that I had and I put it all out on my living room floor And I sorted it, organized it, and I realized, like, there is 12 defined chapters here, and Mm -hmm. lo and behold, it started. So it was very organic and sort of uh, serendipitous in a lot of ways. And I just have to ask, because 12 is a particular number that we hear a lot in the recovery community, and I sort of got asked, did the 12 steps or this idea of the number 12, did that figure into what you were writing? It figured in because the workshops that I was doing, there was a theme every month. So there's 12 months. Ah. And so the book sort of matched a lot of those themes. So the the first month of the year, January, the, the focus was always on purpose, vision, values. Those are what I see as being very foundational pieces that oftentimes people um, have never really looked at for their own lives. Uh, and what better way to start that than, you know, to start in January, first time, first part of the year, and then build on that. Mm. So it, it had more to do with the calendar than the 12 steps. And you're not talking about like a New Year's resolution at the beginning of the year. You're talking something about things that continue throughout that year, every month. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm not, uh, I don't do uh, resolutions per se. That's not something I would encourage my clients to do. Now, goal setting, I, I would do that. But usually the, the first gathering we had in January, we created, uh, everybody created a vision map. And uh, mm-hmm. and then that vision map is something that they would come back to and add to and build on uh, it was sort of a starting point. So I had some people that were in it from from beginning to end. So they had created 
three or four vision maps during the course of uh, attending these. So uh, it was fascinating for me to to watch their growth and at the same time, my own too. Well, I got to know more. I mean, I want to know more at the process about what you're doing. So tell me, you know, how does somebody go about marrying themselves and what can they expect from that process? Well, let me boil it down to a simplicity, okay? Three points. If you know, like, and trust yourself, you've probably got a pretty good, solid relationship with yourself, okay? So no like, and trust. And so so what does that mean, knowing yourself? Knowing yourself, do you, do you know, for example, what's important to you, okay? And that we would classify that as your values. Those things that you deem as important, which are going to be different for every person. And there's not a right or wrong or good or bad. It's, you know, what is it that you really value? And for a lot of people, what I found was that their value system was something that they uh, inherited from their family of origin, or they just by osmosis from a sociocultural phenomenon just sort of valued what those people around them value. But a lot of people mm-hmm. had never really asked themselves, looked in the mirror and say, what is it that I think is important? You know, what really lights me up, rings my bell? What would I be willing to stand on a corner in the middle of a rainstorm and yell and scream about and not feel embarrassed doing it? I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think you get the point. But I, I do want to ask a question about trust before we move on to the next stage. Or Because as an addict, working with addicts, and certainly working with partners of addicts, the idea of trust comes up all the time. And addicts are told, don't trust that first instinct or don't trust what your thinking is in the beginning because you're probably not going to be headed in the right direction. Other addicts will be told, yes, your values are intact, but you have no idea how to work on them, focus on them, or incorporate them into your life. So how do you say what do you say about this to someone who's in early recovery or just starting out and they kind of learn not to trust themselves because their first instinct is not always a good one? Right. So with somebody who's new to recovery, I, I would not jump in with this being the, the first piece of work for them to do. I mean, this, mm-hmm. is, this is something uh, that it's a process, and henceforth, you know, why I ended up developing a year-long program, I realized that, you know, people really need a year to percolate on this. And so what they mm-hmm. started with in January and what they ended up with in December usually was not the same thing. So, Ken, you know, you talked about this first sort of essential piece, and, and that had to do with trust. But we didn't, and you said there were three. So we didn't hear the other two. And before we move on, you know, this is sort of the basis of the work. So what goes past trust? What's number two? Well, it's the three pieces are know, like, and trust. Do you know, like, and trust yourself? Well, do you know yourself? And that's where the the questions of who are you and where are you going and what's important do you trust yourself? Can you, do you know what's important and can you stand by those values? And so a lot of the trust has to do with uh, boundaries and a lot of the boundaries, I look at, at boundaries as, as actually having four separate dynamics. Uh, typically, most boundaries that we talk about in, in recovery and therapy 
are reactive boundaries where, you know, somebody else does something and, it, and it's our, our responsibility to, to say no or to set a limit. Well, that's a reactive boundary. There's also a proactive boundary, and that's simply stating, making a request, asking for what you want or saying what you need or proactively saying, you know, here's the limits. And then there's internal and external boundaries. Obviously, the external boundaries are those boundaries we set with other people, but the internal boundaries are probably the ones that people oftentimes never even think about. You know, so I one of the tools that I use is called the whole life wheel. And you've probably seen these before. I'm, I, this is not something that I invented. I sort of made my own version of it. I took a circle and divided it up into eight sections. And what I d- decided was, you know, eight primary parts of life and asked people to decide, well, you know, where are you in these eight areas of your life? in terms of satisfaction, fulfillment. And so they get some sense of balance or imbalance in their life. And then it's recognizing that, okay, there's boundaries between those areas. You know, Ken, I think that sometimes when people are hearing, you know, a way of doing stuff and a, uh, a, a set of ideas when they're listening in their car, it's hard for them to conceptualize. But what I would, just as we're getting started, would you be willing to go through very briefly and ask me, like, what is the number one about trust? What is the number two about value? Like, walk me through it. I know that we're not going to get to my whole history and all of the intricacies of this, but walk me through those three arenas in terms of what kinds of questions I'd be thinking about, and I'll answer them just to see what that all means and how it works. Sure, sure. Okay. And I'm just going to be very spontaneous. I'm going to act as if, you know, we know each other and this isn't the first time we've talked, okay? Can you rock? Okay. So, hey, Rob, I'm, I'm, I got a question for you I'd like to ask. It's a little bit uh, out of the norm of what I typically would ask you. So, you know, it might, it might jar you a little bit, but, and I, you know, take a minute to think about it too, okay? At least a few seconds. The question is, at the end of each day, what is it typically, what's the thing that's, that stands out, or there might be a few things that stands out as incomplete, disappointed, frustrated, sad, depressed, angry. What areas of your life, what arenas of your world bring up those kind of emotions at the end of a day? And can I ask a question about that before we get into the, as far as I answer, does that include people? Um, Like I'm frustrated every day about my boss when I come home. You know, that is a theme in my life. My boss drives me crazy. That's sort of specific or situational. Is that what you're talking? I'm not going to be sure I get this right. It could be. And let's, you know, go with that for a moment. and, And so that frustration, what is it that it gets in the way of or prevents you from fulfilling in your life? So I'm, I'm going to continually bring it back to you. Okay. Typically, when we have a frustration with somebody else, it's because there's a need of our own that's not somehow not mm-hmm. getting met. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if in, in fact that's the case, you know, the boss, it's like, okay, what is it that you're not able to do or not able to do at the level you would like to do because of your boss leaving you in a state of frustration? 
Well, I feel like I get resentful because I'm asked for things, but I don't feel like I'm appreciated. It's more like, uh, I think I had a boss who said to me recently, well, we don't work here to get affirmation and validation. We work here for a paycheck. And I felt like, oh, he gets what I don't get, which is, you know, I get frustrated because no one's saying good job or I appreciate that or, you know, it just doesn't work like that in my workplace. In other words, the harder you work, the more it's like, okay, good job, keep going, rather than any sort of acknowledgement of of what it means to put yourself so much into a project. And I find myself really frustrated when I get home that I made all that up, but it sounded good to me. Okay, and that, that's fine. So when you get home, and you're you're feeling that that sense of frustration, as you just said, what you're really looking for is some acknowledgement, some appreciation, validation, validation yeah. for for your high commitment to the work that you do. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ken, it's like I don't know if you you know, but it seems like if you really ask people what they're working for, they'll say money. But why they stay in places is feeling supported, feeling uh, appreciated, feeling that's why you stay in places. Yes, that's why I stay in places. That's, you know, we I, I I can't speak for the masses. You know, you mentioned earlier that you've heard people at work say that they're just there for the paycheck. I would suspect, and I don't, I don't have any any data on this, but it's just a, a suspicion that there's probably more people that work more for the paycheck than they do mm-hmm. to make a difference. So it's a luxury, uh, just to say this, it it's a luxury to fantasize about making a difference or some of us should need to make money and our family is our focus. I think well, and, and, and now, now what you're defining there we're getting into values and the recognition that we all have different values. And if we can step out of somebody's right and somebody's wrong and step into mm. they're just different and really work on that, that that can really lower a lot of the frustration because usually frustration comes from an expectation. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not always aware of my expectations. So, you know, I, 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 it's not until I get really, you know, jacked up with frustration that I realize, like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, this is not about, you know, this situation or this pe- person or this organization. This is about me. I, mm-hmm. I, had, I had an agenda coming in this thing. I need to unpack that agenda and look at it and then rewire it. So. Uh, are you saying, and I, I, I want, I want to go through the other two as well. I really do, but, but I want to. Are you saying that it's wrong of me to have an expectation that people will appreciate my work, or is it like, is that unreasonable? Well, I personally try to stay away from the right and wrong. Mm. I think it's more if you have an awareness of an expectation that you have that's continually not being met, what is it that, I mean, you only have control over you. You're, you can only, you know, tweak the, the mind of the guy in the mirror, nobody else. Mm-hmm. So that, that question is really falls back on, you know, the question between you and you, it's not about, is this, an unimportant value. No, that's, it's not about that, but it's, you know, maybe, maybe part of this is about like, well, are there other arenas, other places where you can get some of that validation? And I think that's where we look at in in our culture, especially we get 
a lot of our worth, a lot of our identity from our world of work. And it ends up sometimes being very black and white. We either get it or we don't. And if we don't get it, we feel stuck. Like, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I've been doing this job for 20 years or 30 years. I can't quit now. And, you know, but I'm not getting the validation. And so what do I do? So I come home every day feeling frustrated and miserable. It's right. like, you know, you, you've got other hours in your week that you can go do other things. And, and sometimes it's just about having a friend to say, hey, mm-hmm. can I call you up every once in a while and, and ask you to tell me a couple of good things about me? My early days of recovery, that was one of the things that my my sponsor drilled in into my head. He said, you know, if you if your mind starts having a riot, you know, if you're having a riot between your ears, call me and I'll mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'll remind you of all the good things about you. Because where my mind would go is telling me about all the bad things about me. Well, I want to tell you how it's not working and how frustrating it is and how it's their fault and not mine. And I deserve or feel entitled to more. That's how I think of addict thinking. Right, right. And that's, yeah. Well, and that's not just addict thinking. That's there. There's, mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of people who develop that kind of thought process. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, going back to, to your the original question, it's like, okay, how do we, you know, know, like, and trust? How do we develop this? And it's, and the essence of marry yourself first is like, okay, when you have a reaction to somebody else, go look in the mirror because the 90% of that is on the person in the mirror. It is not on the person on the external. So it's always coming back to the self. And that's, by the way, the title of the book, the yourself, the mm-hmm. S in yourself is capitalized for a reason. It's, you know, your higher self, your highest self, mm-hmm. not your lowest self. You know, how how can you, you know, be your highest self today? And it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have bad days. We don't have challenges, circumstances. We don't get disappointed, frustrated, hurt, or angry. It means that we are taking responsibility for our own lives and not allowing ourselves to be controlled or influenced so much by some of those outer influences. So let me just say one thing, as I know I would say if I was working to you, which is, but Ken, it's their fault. (laughs) They're doing this to me or they're not doing this to me. So how can you say that I have to look at myself when, when it's their fault? Like, how would you respond to something like that? And then I want to move on. But I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you have to look at yourself. I would let you know that it's an option. And if you don't mm-hmm. want to look at yourself, that's sort of like you saying, well, I don't really want to change anything. I want them to change. And it's like, OK, how's how's that recipe been working so far? So what you're really saying is if that's the path that I'm taking, I'm going to remain frustrated. Well, you tell me, isn't that that definition of insanity? Mm hmm. So let me ask you this. We got through know yourself Mm -hmm. and just in the same process. So now I know that my values are this and that, and I have to get them met in this way because it may not come from elsewhere. Does trust figure into that, that next piece? Of course, because it's hard if we don't know what it is that's important to us. You know, our Mm -hmm. values guide our decisions. It helps us decide who we're going to hang out with, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, you know, the kind of work we do, the place we're employed, and so forth. Our, our values guide us. Who in we that. marry. 
yeah. who we marry, who we date, where we live, all determined by values. So, you know, are you, are you in, you know, I, I use the word integrity and I use it probably mm. in a little bit different way than, than most people use it. Are you in integrity with yourself? The word integrity means wholeness. If you think way back to first and second grade, they, they <laughs> taught us about integers. Do you remember that, Rob? Integers? Um, it probably has something to do with math, not my best subject, but I remember integers. Integers, it, all, they, all an integer is, it means a whole number. Now, the funny thing is, is that they talked about them in first and second grade, and then they never talked about them again. And it was a weird word. I always thought in first, second grade, I thought, that's a weird word. Why don't they just you know call it a number? But it means a whole number, <laughs> integer, and that's the same that's the same core that integrity comes from the same source. So integrity is, are you in alignment with your values? Are, are your actions? Wait a minute. So the trust piece means, do I trust that I will follow my value? What is the trust? Because the no, the no part I get, like how know what my values are, know where I'm headed. Where does the trust piece fit in? Am I following my values? Have I? Let me do a little review. Okay, here's what I've determined to be important. Here's my core values. Am I being true to those or am mm-hmm. I holding because I'm afraid, you know, people aren't going to like me or people are going to laugh at me or people are going to reject me or uh, I'm going to be marching to the beat of a different drum and I won't fit in, etc. All those things. So what you're saying is I have to trust that my values will bring me where I want to be, and I have to hold on to those and act on those, even when it doesn't feel uh, the way I want it to feel. Right. And now, you're, you know, all we've been focusing on so far is values, okay? So I don't, I don't want to make it sound like this is a values-only sourced resource, okay? Because there's – there, I, I refer to – MVP and VIP are really the six most important keystones, and it's mission, vision, purpose, values, integrity, priorities. And they're all, it's it's a system where you're looking for alignment in those six pieces. And it's sort of a checks and balances kind of system where values certainly are part of it, but so is, you know, your vision. Where are you going in life? Well, your purpose, you know, why are you here? You know, what, what, what is you're here to do? So let's walk through the same thing in terms of this, if that's okay. So I'm, I'm going to read, because I have it in front of me, um, these six things and what you said, and then I want to understand how you would explain me how to, how to do this, if that's okay. Because again, I want people to understand, you know, how can I make use of these uh, directions in these steps. So for example, the first one, as you mentioned, mission. And the question is, how am I going to get there? That was the question you asked. So what are you asking me? Well, the, the mission really, the, the question of the mission is combined with the, your vision, because your vision is where you're going, what's your target. The mission is, okay, there's your target. So for example, let's just use the vision map or the vision board, whatever you want to call it, as, as, as one of many ways of, of developing a vision, okay? And so here's your vision. Okay, this is, this is what I want my life to look at, look like. 
okay, how are you going to get there? That's the mission. The mission is putting the wheels under your life to help you fulfill your vision. So let me stop for a second. My mission is to have an intimate, loving relationship and build a family. And my vision is uh, has to do with what's going on right now that leads me toward that or doesn't lead me toward that uh, mission. Actually, you got it the other way around. You have a, a vision of having this ideal life, and then you're going to ask yourself, like, okay, the mission is, okay, how do you go about fulfilling that? Okay. And then we go, uh, thank you, because that ties those two pieces together. And that's, but that's in my head, right? So the next question is, why am I here? Purpose. Why am I here? And why am I doing all this? And when you say, why am I here? I mean, I know why I'm doing these things, but what do you mean by why am I here? Well, we're getting, we get into the the $50 million existential question here. Like, why (laughs) am I here? And, And so for some people, some people have a clearly defined purpose. They, they have a calling they you know that mm. they they're real clear about and they've you know for a lot of people they knew it when they were six years old and god bless them because i didn't for one i, I was a <laughs> tumbleweed for most of my life so there's purpose like why are you here and you know is there like a calling you're responding to mm-hmm. and there may or may not be and if there isn't uh, why are you here you know the purpose of life is to live a purposeful life and now i know mm-hmm. that sounds perhaps a little bit too simplistic but i that, like that that's what this question means you know can you live today as purposeful as possible you know and so part of what that is and again these Think for a moment of a pizza, okay? And so, you, and just a cheese pizza, okay? You take a pizza. And I think about pizza all the time. I'm I sorry. You, but anyway, go ahead. Life is a I'm pizza. Sorry. Okay. It, it, I, I use a lot of analogies and a lot of word pictures. No, no, I just want one. That's I'm, all. I do too. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have one tonight, actually. So I'll send you a So pizza. let's keep going. So life is a cheese pizza and? Cheese pizza. So you take, here's the pizza. You know, you're going to put it in the oven. And if you watch it, you watch the cheese melt, and you notice that the cheese started in one place, but it sort of melts over. It goes in several different directions. So if you imagine that that pizza divided up into, let's just say, six pieces or eight pieces, you'll notice that the cheese doesn't stay in one area. It sort of overlaps. So when you look at mission, vision, and purpose, they they're not, they don't, stand by themselves. They overlap a little bit. They feed off each other. And when you look at all three of them together, there's a holism. And that's also part of where the integrity is, is that, okay, are, is your mission, vision, and purpose in alignment? You know, are they all going in the same direction? Because if they're not, it's like driving a car that's got, you know, three tires that are aligned and one that's going to the left. <laughs> it, it doesn't steer very good, doesn't ride very good. So we need to move on and get to the other pieces, okay. which are, because there's six, right? So values, we kind of talked about what, mm-hmm. what are my larger values and beliefs? We talked about that. Mm-hmm. And then integrity, we also talked about a little bit in terms of how do I set, I, I'm, what I'm making up, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is how do I organize and set up my life and maintain those beliefs so that I can gain trust and then I can have clarity and that I can keep going toward my vision. Absolutely. I think that's... Yeah. Yep. So what are the, and then the last one is priorities. So I want to ask you about that. What do you mean about priorities here? We break this down. The priorities are what you're taking 
into action right now, here today, this week, this month, depending on, you know, we all have short-term goals, long-term goals, but the priority is a behavioral, behaviorally measurable action step that's right in alignment with the first five pieces. Hmm. Can you give me an example with, let's say, dating, and I want to meet someone, I want to have that family. Like, how do you, how does that relate to this? Okay, so priorities. Okay, so dating, I want to have a family. So I would back up a little bit, and I would say, well, dating. First of all, what are you looking for in a partner? And that's there's a whole other segment, and there's I, what I call my deal maker and deal breaker list, and that's mm. the the red light yellow light, green light that I sent to you, Yes, which I know I don't, we probably not going to have time to get into that, but it's, no, I think we're aligned about that when people are dating or it's not hard. It's a template, let's just say about in, in the deal makers and deal breakers are these sort of absolutes like, okay, the green light is like, these are the things I positively absolutely have to have. And we're talking the characteristics, the behaviors, the traits, and then the red light is the flip side of that. Or these are the things that are absolutely positively a no, you know, so if they show up, that's a red light, that's stop. You don't, you know, ignore that. You don't keep going as a lot of people do. And then also a lot of people, they, you know, they have their green light things and they go, well, you know, I, they've got most of this stuff, but I, you know, they, there's, they're lacking this one little thing. It'll be okay. No, it won't. <laughs> Who decided that that's a have to? And here's the here's the, the the analogy I use with people is like, and this just generalize this, uh, if you will. So it's um, this is going to be gender specific, and it just happens to to be the one that I use. But so please don't anybody personalize this. So <laughs> if the person shows up and they have the looks of Brad Pitt, they have the intelligence of Albert Einstein, they have the money of Bill Gates, they have the spirituality of Gandhi, but they don't have any teeth and they don't have any interest in getting teeth and you got teeth as a deal maker, you got to walk because you're not going to be happy with a person that doesn't have teeth. I don't care how much of the other stuff, it, it'll work for a while, you know, because we can, you know, we can get caught up in, the, you know, the pink cloud of, pink cloud of, intensity and ecstasy when we first meet somebody but you know once that leaves and you see there's no teeth there it's like no <laughs> you you had that on your list like why and so now we go back to no like and trust yourself well you said you knew yourself but apparently you didn't trust yourself because you just broke your own rule and what does that say about how much you like yourself now, what happens, what I find with people with this thing is that they oftentimes start to get into this kind of scarcity mentality, like, well, what if I never find that person? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, and then so it is the only reason they're asking that question is that they're setting themselves up for settling. And it's like, well, before before you ask that question, mm -hmm. and if you're going to ask a what if question, you really got to ask both sides of it because they're both fantasy questions. You know, you're mm -hmm. saying, what if I never find them? And I, I would come back with, well, what if you find them tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, they're both mm -hmm. fantasies. So which one do you want to dictate your life? The one where you come mm -hmm. up empty or the one you come up full? Mm -hmm. Make sense? Or am I going too fast? 
no, I think that we're getting there to how my values inform my needs and direction. I mean, I'm following you and I think everybody else is. I want to go through a couple of quick things that you mentioned. And I think that I know what this means because I read some of the book. And what I hear you you wrote a whole list of areas of life, um, social and friends, family and your inner circle, work, physical care, recreation, finances, spirituality, romance, and your partnerships. Are these the areas where you would set your values or tell me why you wrote this list well that if uh the the page prior to that has the whole life wheel so that that Mm -hmm. goes whole life wheel so that's that's a a tool that i use to help people sort of inventory themselves review their lives and also more than anything else to check in to see what kind of balance they have I start off with what's the level of satisfaction in each of these eight areas. One, okay, you know, and just do the simple one to 10. One, it sucks. 10, 10, it's awesome. And what I look for, it's not, I've had a few people come back with all 10s and it's like, oh, really? Like, you need to be sitting in my chair and I need time because I have yet to figure out how to do that. That's not realistic. Uh, But, you know, if we, if they're all sixes, that's, pretty good you know yes generally what i find is that there's there's a couple areas that are much higher and oftentimes there's one or two areas that are either very low or even non-existent uh so and one of the the areas (laughs) I, i gotta say i'm laughing because when i look at work and then I look at recreation and fun. Yeah, right. There's a very little teeny slice of the pie for recreation and fun, but there's a whole lot for work. And and so welcome to the USA. Okay. I mean that's that's part of our you know, part of what we we are uh going up against here is it, not just the family we came from, the the neighborhood we were brought up in, the, the church we went to, the school we attended, and so forth. There's a sociocultural drive that if we aren't paying attention, and this is this is probably the 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 main driver of the book. It's like if you get sucked up in that machine, you're not being you. You know, you're you're not you have not married yourself. You're divorced from yourself. You're disconnected. You're you're into bigger, better, faster, more now, and it just keeps going and going and going, and it grinds you up and spits you out. And why is it that half of the U.S. population in their lifetime are going to have a diagnosis, an official mental health diagnosis? You go to other places, and that's not the case now. And I, they're I happier. They're happier than we are. Yeah, you know, for sure. The I mean, the happiest happiness level in the U.S. is isn't even average. It's you know in the lower third in the whole world. So I don't want to get off into you know making it about that, but it's it's more: Are you willing to figure out? your own drum beat and march to the beat of your own drum as the cliche goes. And even though, and I'm going to follow up with another cliche, it's going to lead you down the road less traveled, but it's that road less traveled that you get to be you. Do you have enough faith in you, in life, if you have spiritual beliefs, your spirituality, that if you're you, you're going to be okay? 
And if you don't, then we got to go back to the trust part. It's like, okay, what's missing there? Is there, you know, is there an old wound there that needs to be healed? Is it uh, that you're just got a, a belief that uh, a really instilled belief that people are going to reject you if you, you know, really just are going to be yourself? So I want to go to your workshops now because it sounds like, you know, for someone like me whose values are not balanced, um, and again, American focus is often, well, Western focus is often achievement and pull yourself out by the bootstraps and all of that. But let me ask you two questions as we finish up. If I were going to go to one of your workshops or I was going to read the book, where would I be in life or what would be the reason? You know, like people read my books because they're struggling with relationships or sexuality or infidelity or, you know, that's what my area is. And that's why people come in because they're in trouble or they've made bad choices in those areas. Why would I come to one of your workshops? What would I, the issue be that I want to work on with you? Like your typical person. Yeah, most of the people... I've sold over 10,000 copies of the books. I have no idea who bought them or if they read them. So I can't speak for that. I can speak to the workshops. About 50%, probably a little bit more, of the people who attended, number one, the thing they had in common was they had been through a divorce at some time in their life. So they clearly wanted, my assumption was, and what I heard from them was they realized they didn't have the relationship thing figured out and they wanted to figure it out more. Now, some of those people had already, you know, remarried where they were in another relationship They're, you know, they were moving on, but they still had a, a level of uncertainty or they were aware that there were certain areas that they were struggling with. So uh, you know, people who find themselves relationship challenged, or I would say would be one of the the big categories. And I think also people who find themselves, if you will, feeling lost or unfulfilled. You know, Ken, as I listen to you, I, I have this, this feeling that you have created a structure for people to be happy and that they're not used to following their own they're not used to trusting them, themselves and their beliefs and committing to those in ways that really bring them happiness for themselves. And so I really appreciate that you're not necessarily writing about people whose lives are being destroyed and how they put them back together, but more how do you make your life, how do you fulfill it? How do you become who you think you are and who you want to be? And I feel like we lack that kind of information versus, you know, how do you rescue something? So I really appreciate your moving in that health focused direction. Um, let me just say, folks, that this is Ken Donaldson, a colleague, a therapist, a mental health counselor. He's been doing this work. He's a sex therapist. He's a hypnotherapist. I don't know how many things this guy has learned, but probably a lot more than me. And he wrote this wonderful book called Marry Yourself, Say I Do to a Life of Passion, Power, Purpose, and Prosperity. And of course, you know you can get your books on Amazon or through Ken himself. And that brings up my last question, which is, how do people find you? How do they get in touch with you about or learn more about the work, the book, or anything else that you're working on? Well, the probably the easiest way is through my website, and my website is my name. It's Ken Donaldson, like son of a Donald, dot com. <laughs> 
I never thought of you as a son of a Donald, Ken. Well, I do um, all the time. So, KenDonaldson.com. And I think if you're invested in wanting to really grow and get beyond the basics into thriving, that's the work that you want to do with Ken. Thank you so much for joining us, Ken. You are an amazing guest. And I think you're going to help healing with a whole bunch of people who are listening. My, my pleasure and honor, Rob. I appreciate you asking me. Thank you. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.